Let, let's pray. Let's pray together. Let's just take a moment and, and ask God to focus our minds on Him. Lord Jesus, thank you for the opportunity to, to speak about your word. Um, please help me to communicate as clearly, accurately, honestly, and, and helpfully as I can. Please speak to your people now, Lord. Amen. Have you ever thought about something? Wow, that is amazing. Now, I'm not talking about... Um, oh, Mario sports the Nintendo Wii, that's amazing. Or, oh, you're an amazing guitar player. Or, oh, your hair is amazing. Um, that's which I know you're all thinking at this moment. No, I mean something that you really couldn't quite believe. Um, or you thought, there's no way I could have predicted that. Kind of like whenever Ricky Kirk got a wife. Um, <laughs> or, or whenever David Healy um, slotted home um, his third goal against against Spain to win 3-2, you just thought, wow, who could have predicted that? And also on that occasion, hey, I wish I was there. I really do wish I was there. Was anyone there, here there? Uh, yeah, gloaters. Um, tonight, I want us to look at an absolutely amazing event recorded in the Bible. One that I really would have loved to have been at. It's an event, I'm pretty sure that everyone would have been talking about it days, weeks, months, years after it happened. And it's the one that that Karras read to us not so long ago. Um, Let's look at Luke chapter 5 this evening. I want you to picture the scene in your minds. It's the start of Jesus' ministry. He started his preaching career and is gaining quite a bit of interest all over Galilee. In fact, he was provoking so much interest that a group of religious teachers had made a long distance journey just to hear him speak. Some had traveled quite a distance, in fact, if you imagine walking from Kirkpatrick to Newcastle and back again, that's a distance that some people had come just to hear Jesus speak. Would you imagine having to walk all that way just to hear that? I tell you, it must have been fairly interesting. The house in which they were meeting in was jam-packed. I don't know if you've ever been at a concert um, or on the terraces at Ravenhill whenever it's been really bunged um, and jam-packed, but it might have been a bit like that. Imagine what it would have been like to have been there. It's really hot. It's really crowded. It's maybe sweaty and smelly. You're sitting on a hard floor, or maybe you're stand, been standing on your feet for a while. Jesus is teaching, and you're soaking in every word he's saying, because he's teaching in a way that has never been taught before. Have you pictured that in your mind? You're not bored. In fact, quite the opposite. Because amazing stuff is happening today. 
Amazing stuff often happens whenever Jesus is around, and today is no exception. He's healing the sick. Now, it doesn't record what types of illnesses that Jesus is healing. But in other stories, he heals people who are blind, people who can't hear, people who can't speak, people who have fevers or other illnesses. So maybe that's what he's doing here in the hot, sweaty, crowded house. What would it have been like to have been there? To see him healing the sick. It may have been crowded. It may have been pretty uncomfortable. But I'm sure nobody was falling asleep. Then a group of mates bring their friend to see Jesus. Their friend is paralysed. He can't walk. I don't know, maybe he's been paralysed from birth. And has never known what it feels like to run around in a field. Kick a football. To take the dog for a walk. Or maybe he's had an accident in his lifetime. And he knows the frustration of not being able to do many of the things that we all enjoy doing and often take for granted. Whatever his story, his friends have to carry him. He needs them. He's stuck without them. He can't work, so he probably has to beg for food and to survive. This is not a fun life. But his friends have this one hope. And this one hope is this. If only we can get him to Jesus. If only we can get him to Jesus, Jesus could heal him. Jesus could make him walk again. They bring him to the house, but they can't get in. It's not like this church service this evening. Imagine every seat in here was taken, every space in the aisle. You just couldn't get in the door because so many people are here to see and to hear Jesus. What would you have done? What would you have done as you came to that place and realized you couldn't get in? I wonder what the men were thinking at this moment. Perhaps one of them's thinking, come on lads, let's go home. We've missed our opportunity. We came too late. Maybe we'll be able to catch Jesus the next time he's in town. But then one comes up with a bright idea. Probably the destructive one in the group. Probably one who has slightly hooligan tendencies and vandalism and tent within them. The Ricky Kirk of the group, if, 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 if you like. Um, a light bulb flashes above their head as they think, I know what we'll do, guys. Let's make a hole in the roof. Now, the houses in Galilee were a wee bit different than your house today, so, so don't be trying this trick at home. Um, the roofs were probably made out of beams and boards and packed earth, so it was a lot easier to, to, to make a hole in it as they climbed up the probably a set of steps up the side of a house. But imagine being in that crowd as the dirt started to fall from the roof onto your shoulder. You look up and oh, you get a wee bit in your eye. It's under the person's hair in front of you. Do you think you would have just sat there and gone, ooh, wonder what's happening? I remember being in a church service once and a football 
came through the window during one of the hymns. We'd have been singing pretty much like we were singing um, over all the earth earlier. And a football comes through the window, glass sprays everywhere, and you expect people to turn around and go, oh my goodness, a football has just come through the window. Um, But being, I don't know, maybe it's a Presbyterian way or whatever, people just kept singing. There's women with bits of glass in their hair, you know, and they're like, be the, you know, like pretending that nothing's just happening. And I'm sitting going, has anyone just noticed this? Why are people not turning around and realizing a football has just come through the window? I'm pretty sure it probably wasn't like that on this day. As bits of the roof started to come apart, as a man started to be lowered through the ceiling in front of Jesus' feet, I reckon people would have been thinking, what is going on there? Who's up there? What is going to happen next? The friends in this story are great. I'd love to have friends who are as creative and thoughtful, as persistent as they are. But the most amazing thing in this story isn't the friends. It's what Jesus says and what Jesus does as a man is lowered in front of him. With all eyes focused on Jesus, and maybe expecting him to heal the man, Jesus does the unexpected. He looks down at the man and says, Friend, your sins are forgiven. Friend, your sins are forgiven. Now, Maybe this doesn't seem that amazing at first glance. But let's think about what Jesus is saying. Jesus has given us a perfect plan for our lives. And when we sin, that basically means that we're ignoring or disobeying that plan. Jesus has said that if we are his friends, we will do what he says and live as he has shown us. Now this isn't because Jesus is really bossy and wants to tell us what to do and just follow me because I'm a really bossy figure. Jesus knows and wants what is best for our lives. He has a perfect plan for us and he wants us to follow that. And if we're not friends with Jesus, we don't experience life in all its fullness. Life to the max. So Jesus looks down at this man and he realizes what his greatest need is. It isn't to run around the park. It isn't to go jogging. It isn't to play football. It isn't to play rugby. It's not for his legs to work again. This man's greatest need is to be friends with Jesus, to be forgiven from his sins, to have a relationship with the person looking down with him, the creator of the world, the person who knew him more than anybody else, both as good and as bad, and was head over heels in love with him. His greatest need was to have a relationship with Jesus, to be his friend. How amazing is that, that Jesus knows our needs better than anyone else, maybe even better than we know them ourselves. But there are some other characters in this story. The Pharisees, the religious teachers, who you might expect to be pretty excited about this. 
These guys, they kind of thought they knew it all. They thought that they were perfect and that everyone else should listen to them. They're thinking, how dare he? How dare he say that this man's sins are forgiven? Only God can forgive sins. And of course they're right. Only God can forgive sins. But they fail to recognize that Jesus is God. And not only that, but because Jesus is God, he's reading their mind at that moment and knowing their thoughts as they think them. But he doesn't shout at them. He doesn't tell them off. He gives them a question to consider, a choice to make. Which is easier to say to this man? Your sins are forgiven? Or get up and walk? I imagine at this moment the crowd going silent. All eyes fixed on Jesus. People wrestling with this question in their mind. Which is harder? To forgive sins or make a paralyzed man walk? I wonder what your response would have been. What do you think is easier? The answer is neither. Neither is easier. easier. Neither is harder. Only God can do both. And to prove it, Jesus does. In front of everyone, he tells the paralyzed man to get up, pick up your mat, go home. Get up, pick up your mat, go home. Now let's not lose sight of just how amazing this is. A paralyzed man who needs carried by his friends comes to see Jesus and not only goes away carrying his own mat, he goes away with his sins forgiven. You may have heard this story before. And when we get familiar with stories, sometimes they, we, they lose their sense of amazement. Sometimes they lose the impact that they have with us, the initial surprise. But as we get older, we need to go back to these stories and get amazed again at just how brilliant Jesus is, what he has done, who he is. I don't know what your response to Jesus in this story is. Even though it's 2,000 years later, when we're confronted with Jesus, we're expected to respond to him. The once paralyzed man in this story, he went away praising God, no doubt telling all his family and friends and anyone who'd care to listen just how amazing Jesus is. The crowd says they were absolutely amazed. They'd never seen anything like it. They were filled with excitement about Jesus. If it happened today, I'm sure they'd be talking about it over dinner. They'd be texting their friends. They'd be putting it on their Bebo homepages. I was there when Jesus made the paralyzed man walk, when Jesus said this man's sins were forgiven. The Pharisees obviously weren't too impressed by what was going on. They ignored this miracle. They ignored the teaching that went with it. Jesus later called him self-centered and blind. Later they said that his power came from the devil. And then they killed him. But I doubt anyone in that room at that time was bored by Jesus. Had no reaction. 
Nobody thought that this incident was irrelevant. Nobody, I'm sure, when they went home, did people say, what happened today when you were out? Uh, not much. Jesus kind of made a paralyzed mom walk, yeah. What about you? Anything exciting? Nobody would have been bored by what Jesus was doing. But what about you? How do you respond to Jesus as you read about him, as you learn about him, as you encounter him? Can I encourage each of you, but especially young people, to go away and read more about Jesus? Get to know him. Get to know his teaching. Get to know his miracles. See how he relates to different people. Popular people, unpopular people, rich people, poor people, young people, old people. Read about him as he gets angry. Read about him as he cries. Learn why he died. Learn why he rose again. See his love for you. Guys, I've been a Christian about about 10 years. Hasn't always been easy. There are many ups. There are many downs. But after 10 years, I feel I'm only just beginning to scratch the surface of just how amazing Jesus Christ actually is. I learned a lot about him through youth fellowship. And this is a fantastic place to meet with God, to learn about him, to get support from your friends, and to ask those difficult, puzzling questions of the leaders. Can I encourage you to do that and to bring your friends along and continue to do that? But if you remember nothing else from tonight, please remember this. Jesus has the power to heal the sick, to make paralyzed men walk, and most importantly, to look us in the eye and say those wonderful words to you. Friend, your sins are forgiven. I possibly have a video. If I get this sign, I've got a video to show you. If I get that one, I don't. Oh, and I've, I've got this reaction. So, so I don't know. We're going to try and show a video. Hopefully we've got some audio. Um, as we show it, just think about how amazing Jesus is.
It's why it's why it's why.